Input, Output. Hi, this is Input Output, and I'm your host, Mark Yarm. Today on the Input Output podcast, we've got stories about two extremely inspired and extremely unofficial movie spinoffs. Imaginative TikTokers have created, in bits and pieces, Ratatouille the Musical, based on the 2007 Pixar animated film about a rat named Remy's efforts to become a chef. InputMag.com newswriter Matt Willey is a huge fan of Ratatouille the Musical and wrote a piece on how it came about and why it deserves a Tony Award. Here he is reading an excerpt from his story. Broadway is still closed, we're all stuck at home, and TikTok users have created a complete musical version of the Pixar film Ratatouille. That includes original music, of course, but also choreography, costume design, and even a mock playbill for the show. What began as a viral joke rooted in a catchy tune has turned into a bona fide TikTok musical. Welcome back to the show, Matt. Thanks for having me, Mark. So Ratatouille the musical emerged from this one TikTok that went like this. Remy the Ratatouille, the rat of all my dreams, I praise you. What can you tell me about the original TikTok and how it grew into a huge phenomenon? Yeah, I mean, TikTok is kind of amazing at making the most random pieces of sound go viral. It's something that Twitter and YouTube and Facebook and Instagram, they can't really make audio go viral in the same way that TikTok can. The interface is just really set up so that it's easy to take existing pieces of audio that somebody has created and then use it for your own videos. So some random user made this catchy Ratatouille song and people found it funny enough to keep sharing it. And now there's like millions of views on it. So it's really just the app's algorithms keep serving it up to you. And it's like a never ending kind of chain. So if you strung a bunch of these TikToks together, would you have the entire movie essentially? It's a little bit incomplete right now, I'd say. There's, you know, maybe five or six songs total that I've seen. And then a lot of them are rehashing the same thing over and over with different jokes. So it's not quite a full Broadway musical yet, but it's definitely an outline. You know, it's something that could be filled in if people wanted to. What's the most creative aspect of this musical that you've seen? Probably the coolest thing that I've seen is just people using the duet feature on TikTok, which is you know, somebody can record their part of the song and then a different user can record another part of the song and TikTok will put them together side by side in a video. So it's a very unlikely tool for collaboration, but seeing as it's 2020 and everything's a bit unlikely, it, it somehow works. And, you know, people can basically record original songs together through this app. What do you think is the appeal of the movie Ratatouille? I think Ratatouille is funny to especially younger generations because it's like, why did Pixar make this movie about a rat that cooks? Like, it's just a very strange concept to make a movie around. 
And it's something that the internet has made fun of in the past. There have been other Remy memes, Remy being the rat in the movie, you know, in the last few years on and off. And I think just that sort of self-generates more content and just the general ridiculousness of it is really perfect for TikTok. You can follow Matt on Twitter at Matt D. Willie. Now on to today's second story. Freddy Krueger is back on Elm Street. Get out of here, Lisa! Fight him! Watch out for him. He'll be in your neighborhood soon. A Nightmare on Elm Street, Part 2. The Nike shoe known as the Freddy Krueger SB Dunk is the greatest sneaker that never was. InputMag.com news writer Ian Cervantes recently broke down the tale of a shoe that, after being canceled in 2007 due to a cease and desist letter, went on to become a cultural phenomenon. Here he is reading an excerpt from his piece. A cease and desist letter from New Line Cinema, the producers of the Nightmare franchise, put a halt to the Freddy Krueger SB Dunk. The claim of copyright infringement came so late that the sneaker had already made their way out to retailers, who were then ordered to return the shoes to Nike. There, they would be destroyed so Nike could avoid litigation. Apparently, not everyone followed orders because a small number of dunks still made their way out to collectors. Welcome back to the show, Ian. Yep, yep, thank you. These Freddy Krueger SB dunks are on people's minds, you say, because of a new shoe, the Air Max 95. What is it about that shoe that is evoking memories of the Freddy Krueger dunk? Yeah, so it's kind of taking on a similar design to these iconic dunks. They've kind of played it a little bit safer, probably to avoid litigation. In the actual marketing from Nike itself, there's no mention of Freddy Krueger or Nightmare on Elm Street. The stripes on the upper are now tan and red instead of green and red, which avoids the close association with this sweater but they do still have the blood splatter on them they have the silver detailing that invokes his razors so it's kind of a a way to actually put something out on the market that ties into this great story that they have but still play it safe and not piss off the wrong people so there are supposedly about 30 of these nightmare on elm street freddy krueger sb dunks out in the wild who owns them you know i think it was a lot of people who either had the right friends or just got entirely lucky there have been stories that have come up online of people who have found them you know some people knew employees at the stores that had them so they were able to kind of successfully get them under the table some people also somehow got their hands on samples that came out of the factory. That's why you see more size nine of these than anything else. And then I also saw a one person report that they just found one at an outlet store. So a lot of it is luck from the beginning. But then now they can sell, you know, people are asking for $30,000 for them. So now it's going to be, you know, anyone who is willing to shell out this insane amount of money. Travis Scott actually wore them a few years ago. Obviously, he's a person in a position to to shell out that money for it. And then the pro baseball player, Shane Victorino, also posted a photo of them this weekend. So yeah, now it's pretty much, unless someone held on to them all this time, it's going to be the collectors with the shit ton of money who have them. That seems to always be the case, doesn't it? (laughs) Yeah, but this is a little more extreme. You know, there's obviously a much wider crop of people who can shell out like two grand for the off-white Nike sneaker. But 
$30,000 or even, you know, we've seen typical sales around the $15,000 range. That's obviously going to be like the one, one, one percent. Why do you think these have become such a cultural phenomenon? Well, I think everyone kind of focuses on the rarity of them. That's kind of the narrative ever since then. But one of the things I wanted to get into with the story was how highly anticipated they were in the first place. If you go back to the forums where the records still kind of exist, you know, this was before social media. So that was really where these conversations were happening when this was still a subculture. So people were really excited about the shoe and were also then devastated when they were canceled. But yeah, so going back like to the excitement, it's just a really cool design. Um, the blood splatter on this kind of like skin-like leather is super creepy. And then on top of that, sneakerheads were excited about it, but it also kind of brought in these horror fanatics. And this is really one of the first sneakers that you can look back and see that had this kind of cross-cultural appeal, which has become a little more standard now. I mean, you know, you see finance dudes wearing these hype sneakers now. But back then, it was really just sneakerheads paying attention to this stuff. So do you think the legend of these sneakers is only going to grow over time? Yeah, I mean, as time goes on, they're really going to just be more scarce. You know, when you're dealing with such a limited number, we're not going to see any more come onto the market. And, you know, I think eventually people will stop letting go of them. It's one thing when, when it's a regular person who's sitting on this item that, you know, can bring in a real windfall of money. But once they start getting to the people with these high incomes that can get it, like, why would they let it go? They don't need the money. You can follow Ian on Twitter at Ian underscore Cervantes, and I am at Mark Yarm. For more news from the world of technology and culture, visit InputMag.com and ask your smart speaker to play the Input Output podcast.